0: Get by Benning.
1: Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets left center. Perry. Scoot. Corey Perry. Well, oh, Able to take away from Solani. It's
0: giving away to Solani around the
1: All right, we're back. It's been a while, man. It's been a while since I've been able to say that. Uh, but this is, kiss is not our longest run though. We've been away for a month. I thought it was longer. November twenty second was the last episode.
0: Wow, wow that's not
1: that's uh, what is that? Six Ahoy! You want to run? You can run the dad joke and say we haven't recorded for a year. Yeah, we haven't
0: recorded all year. Have, <laughs> there you go. Right. I can't believe I let that one walk right past me.
1: <laughs> uh yeah it would that one would hit a little bit better if we recorded a, a little bit sooner it, you know ended december rather than back in november um but yeah man we've been busy we've been busy a lot of life shit going on um but we've been trying to get back every now and then funny enough we were supposed to get back sooner than this um but i don't know if it's a sign or whatever but my laptop died it just completely died crashed um so if you're listening to this you're only likely listening to the audio version of this, so if you're wondering why there's no YouTube video version, um, that would be why. Because everything that we use to stream the uh, podcast, to have the nice little video setup we have, um, that's all on that laptop, and it will not work right now. So we're we're kicking it uh, at bare bones today, recording audio in Microsoft Teams, because that's you know, <laughs> the only option we have.
0: Yeah, because that's, that's how much we care about you guys is we are just taking our yeoman 200 foot pucks on net game and just like, you know what, we're just going to record a podcast. And we're just going to try to give it a good 60 minutes and, and uh, get some shots on net and grind them down and try to limit chances against. And here we are and we'll see what happens. But uh shout out to Microsoft teams uh, for finally being useful for once. I appreciate them for that very much.
1: Um. And in the last little stretch, I think we we the last show we had the ducks were better. Uh, the record looked a little bit better. They would have been what uh, nine and ten. It's been that long. They would have been nine and ten the last time uh, we were on here. Uh, they're now thirteen and twenty three. So actually, no overtime losses. So we were talking about this before the show. I was, I, I couldn't see if there was any OT or shootout losses because uh, they had gone four and thirteen since we last recorded a show. Um, just you know, straight, no OT losses, no shootout losses, all regulation.
0: I think they've only been in one shootout and they won.
1: Yeah, and a few overtime wins this show. Yeah, right? but like yeah. by
0: and large, everything that's you know been going on has been going on in fucking regulation, which personally for me is great. Mm-hmm. Uh because yeah, we talk about this all the time, man. I hate the fucking lose your point. It's so stupid. Yeah. I don't want the three two I I do not personally like the PWHL system. I get that a lot of people, even before it was the PWHL system, were talking about how much they like the idea of the three two one zero system. I think it's stupid and complicated. I think you either win, you lose there's a tie, and that's fine. I I think we've talked about this before. I would love to go to a Premier League system where it's three for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. Yeah. That to me would rock. Give me seven minutes, five minutes, three on three, whatever they think it is that gets us where we need to be, and then just let it be. I, I like I, again. I think we've. I think I've said this a hundred times. I grew up with ties. It never bothered me. That there mm. were ties, like that tying again. I don't even care if it goes to up.
1: overtime and then and, and there's a tie after overtime. No, like, I'm fine with that. That's
0: okay. It's yeah. it's totally fine. It it, it 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 there's no reason to overcomplicate the 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 standings process. I simply don't understand the obsession with making the process more ridiculous. I get the balance and the reward part of it, but it's also just like I don't know. I I don't think we need to be like. Okay, well if you win in this much time you get this many points and if you win in this much time you get yeah. this many, like I don't I don't, I, I, don't I, think, I don't care man.
1: I just I think if anything you win um, or you lose. a 310 system like that 3 wins 0 for a loss 1 for a tie. I think that makes close games that much more exciting because uh, you know, you're not holding on for overtime to get a point. Like you are gunning for it. And if you're, mm-hmm. if it's a one goal game and a team's leading, like you're, you're pouring everything on. Like obviously you do that now, but there's more of an incentive because you don't get anything, right, for a loss. And there's such a massive gap. Like right now it's in overtime is two and one. So like you're, you know, mm-hmm. not a massive gap between winning and losing. It's a one point difference. Well, now it's three wins or you three points, right. you get nothing like three and zero is a huge point gap, especially late in, in playoff races. You get a teams that are on the outside, looking in facing each other. Like that's a huge gap to be able to make up. And it's going to make those, those games more exciting. And then, yeah, if it ends in a tie, it ends in a tie. Like, um, after you even, even 10 minutes overtime, you know, full 60 minute game, 10 minutes overtime is still tied. Okay. You both walk away with the point. You both gave it your best effort. That's the. It is what it is. Like I, yep, I have 100%. no no problems with that. I don't think you need to go to a shootout just to have a winner. And I know it's the you know the North American way. And you have to kind of have with North American sports. You got to have a winner. Somebody has to win. Mm-hmm. You can't walk away with a tie. But it's it's not necessarily the case. And obviously we know in football rarely you can have a tie. And obviously um, in soccer, they adopted just you know the European soccer system, but you do have ties in that. But I don't see it being a problem. I think if if any sport could Add it and make it work i think hockey would be fine i don't see why not i don't think you'd get too many honestly also here's the other question i have and
0: this this might be a silly question why do we even do fucking standings points why isn't it just record
1: yeah wins yeah no i get
0: it it just wins yeah and then if there's a tie you do regulation wins like what what do we need the standings points for like can somebody actually answer that for me like what value other than getting to see your team hit a hundred points,
1: does is this, this the only points? This only league that does standings points, right?
0: Uh, am
1: I just like NBA doesn't do standings points? Right?
0: NBA, doesn't, doesn't, NBA doesn't, MLB doesn't, NFL doesn't, NFL doesn't, Premier League so, does. Like we were but, saying, they do the three and the one.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But like, I don't i don't understand. i'm just thinking of a major
1: like, north american sports hockey is the only one that has standings points
0: why do you need standing points? like what is the point like i i guess that's my question is like what is the actual functionality of it beyond being able to look
1: at the numbers like i've honestly never thought about one? it i've never put that together that they're the only league that has standings points it's just I,
0: yeah it's just stupid i don't i don't understand what the point is um but yeah so i don't know man it's just it's very silly Uh, As a timestamp for anybody, the Ducks in Toronto just went into the second intermission. The Ducks are currently winning one nothing Mm -hmm. and Pavel Minchikov was apparently the victim of a vicious attack by Bobby McMahon,
1: who's a fake player, by the way. That's not yeah, a real person. I've never heard of him. That's like um, the Penguins every year. I mean, not so much recently, but they'd always have this one guy <laughs> yeah. that they pulled from like the depths of college hockey, like Bobby Zahor or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, every year they have one I of those just,
0: guys. So. I just, Bobby McMahon is just such a fucking... Like guys and dolls ass fake name like a ball player who played on like the Cincinnati Rockies or some stupid shit in like the thirties. Bobby McMahon went three for four today with a single and two doubles. <laughs> and you're just like, fucking what?
1: Yeah, he's probably just ruined his chance of getting another uh, another game in this year with that like five in a game. Yeah, I mean yeah, He's not going to get suspended. Like, I don't think it was. No, we talked if he about gets this suspended.
0: That's fucking ridiculous. Like, I don't I don't think it was major. I don't I don't know what he what. No. Like, he went shoulder to shoulder with Minchikov. Minchikov was in a vulnerable position because he went to make a play on the puck. Like, he mm-hmm. shot the puck into the zone and he caught himself a little bit, you know, off balance. McMahon finishes his check. It's an incredibly unfortunate result. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's let's not equivocate on that. Like, he flowed cheekbone first into the dasher like it's not good but I don't think anybody did anything wrong and I think this is one of those things for me that it's just like yo like sometimes bad things just happen and people aren't at fault for it like it, it, not everything that every time something happens every time something bad happens somebody has to be held accountable for it and this is one of those times to me where I'm just like fucking for what like what what are we doing I don't know. Like, I don't know, dude. It's how I feel about that Connor Geeky hit that got him kicked out of the game for the World Juniors. Yeah. He's just fucking bigger. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to do. His feet were on the ground. His elbows were down. Like, he just went through the kids. Like, I don't know. And I get I, I, I get that the IIHF rules are any head contact is bad automatically. and like, fine. But I, I don't know what he's supposed to do. Like, uh,
1: uh, hitting no, is legal.
0: Like, Why wouldn't you hit
1: it? Like, I don't. It just it just looks bad. Minchkov's off bounce. He is a little bit of a push off in the check because he's off bounce, and then the first place for him to land is face first into the boards. Um, so it looks bad. And like I was gonna say, you know, if if you, I'm fine if they wanted to give him a two, and just say it looked bad, so you give him a two. But at that point, like it's either it's either a bad hit or it's not. It's either a penalty or it's not. I don't think it should have been a penalty. I think it looks bad just the way <laughs> yeah. it, it went off. But I don't think you should give anything for that. Like for um and you know maybe again maybe the refs seeing it in real time differently and I can understand how it would look well, back. Well they reviewed
0: and... it. That's the thing. They Did called they? it okay. as a major and then they went back and watched it.
1: And yeah, that's a problem I, then.
0: I I'm I'm fascinated by it. I really am fascinated by it because like I don't you know and 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 uh they gave uh Lubushkin the uh, instigator penalty. No which, fair, yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's that's you know uh, it, it's actually really funny. I was listening to Puck Soup from I think it was the mailbag from the week between Christmas and New Year's, and they were talking about the instigator penalty and why don't they give it out more. And McEnany was just like, just give it out, like that's what it's for. Like if you start a fight with a guy, that's what it's for. Like you know, and it's just funny that this is the game in which it becomes a thing. It's them versus the Ducks, but like, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Bobby McMahon did anything wrong, and I think, you know, again, like. If he's shorter, he probably doesn't fly into the boards like that like are we now punishing McMahon because minchikov is six foot two? You know what I mean like like yeah. if he's five ten he does it, that does he doesn't hit it, yeah, it's a completely different end result like i don't I don't know man it's just it's a weird thing, but there's oh God, there's so much to talk about um yeah, so, they're bad yeah the, the, the Ducks are <laughs> they're bad, bad
1: again. But not as bad as last year. We said, is it? I, I mentioned this to you before we recorded too. So they're ranked 24th in goals per game and goals against per game. Power play is 17th and penalty kill 16th. So it's no longer like last year where everything was 30th, 31st, 32nd. They're just there's 13 and 23. So record-wise, they're not much better. But there's improvement there, right? Like the the play. You know, obviously, there was what the the six-game winning streak that they went on for uh the the run they went on early in the season was it six? feels like it was forever ago. Or was it longer than six? What? The winning streak the Ducks went on early in the season. Uh, yeah, it was six. It was six. Six-game winning streak, October into November. But uh, Mar- like the, they have looked better. Obviously, there's some games where rookies have looked like rookies, and things have progressed, and we've had injuries and whatnot. But they do look better. Um, we just are getting very close, finally, to being fully healthy. Um, Zegers is back. Drysdale back uh metavers is in the lineup. Lindstrom L- came back tonight. Lindstrom's back in. Uh Goodis was back in. I I I got notification. I think he he went out again tonight. He wasn't in there. Yeah, tonight. he him and Ross Johnston are sick. Okay.
0: And then Ryan Strom had an injury that I think he's like day to day or
1: something. But uh, that would be everybody back then now, right? Uh Troy Terry is on IR. Troy Terry's on IR now. Okay. So So
0: it's those four were the ones who were out. Johnston and Gudis were sick. Uh, Stromed, I think, is day to day. It said, and then Terry is on IR. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, Lunderstrom is back. McGinn is back. Like this team is closer to healthy than it's been in a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Trevor Trevor Zegers pulled off another Michigan on his <laughs> his return to did. the lineup. That was the nastiest one I think we've seen too. The way he picked that puck off. off the yeah, w- we talked about this a little bit, man. And
0: like I know that we're biased, but I don't care. His Michigans are the prettiest. There's mm. he does them so smoothly and at such a high speed that like it he just does them the best. Like yeah. it like again, it doesn't matter. Like if it, it all that matters in the end is if it goes in or not. You don't get like an extra goal, like just because it looks pretty. Yeah. But boy, is it nice to just see how effortless he mm-hmm. is with that. Like it, it's insane how well he is at picking those pucks up off the ice that quickly.
1: He swung that into the top corner too. It was Dude, fast. So nasty. And, and it wasn't the, the typical pickup where, you know, you kind of put the, the face of your stick down on it and like press down and lift it up. Right. He scooped it up from underneath it and then came with full speed behind the net and just slung it into the top corner on the same night. Connor Bedard did it too. Um, and, uh, you know again bias for sure but just a lot prettier kind was nice too you, you, you gotta give him some oh, credit no, for his, look, doing you pull that as off well a but,
0: Michigan goal, it's
1: a beaut like yeah. you know
0: there, but it's just again there's a there's a fluidity to the yeah. way zegers does it that i just think is special or and, and not even special just like pleasing to watch like it's just nice to see him do it that way like it's just a little bit more enjoyable and you know he plays for us obviously us whatever uh, he plays for the Ducks, so like again, I'm biased, but like I just think it's it's kind of unequivocal to me. Like he he's just the best at it. Um, you know, I I mean we were talking about it before. Like hey, there's you know it's been six weeks. What do we want to talk about? And we're like oh we'll just bullshit our way through. Like I was watching some of the game tonight, and like Jamie Drysdale, man, mm-hmm. he looked good. He he seems so decisive with the puck on his stick. He 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 just seems more aggressive and direct. Like he's ending up behind the net a lot, like in the offensive zone, like he's physical in his own end. Like he just seems like he could not wait. And obviously, you know, he played what six games last year and he played two games at the beginning of this year before getting hurt again. Yeah. I can't imagine how, you know, just like pent up he is to be able to play again, but it just to see him, really just show the kind of growth that you hope to see even without getting the games in is, is really exciting. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the more Um, encouraging points
1: that we have seen in this season is just how he's looked. Yeah. It'd be nice to to see after 20 games, how that's progressed because obviously he's missed so much time. Um, It'll be interesting to see as he gets more comfortable, more ice time, more games, um better fitness, how he's gonna look in you know the next fifteen twenty games from now so it it's great it's been encouraging to see him come back. i think he he scored in the his return as well right i think uh I don't. I Think don't know. So. He scored early, early into coming back. Cause he's been back for five games over over the last stretch here since we've missed it. We missed the last 17 his one goal in those five games. Um, and looking at this too, I just realized how are we missing this one guy being injured right now? Leo Carlson is that? Oh injured.
0: Jesus. Look at us. <laughs> I, I know there was probably hackery.
1: a few people screaming, screaming but, at us. but
0: yeah, Leo I'm
1: Carlson, um, oh, over that last stretch had six points in, in 10 games as well. And he had uh, the last, show we did was we covered the hat trick um that was the, the very last show that we had done troy terry performed well over the last stretch 10 points in 16 games alex colorn is actually the point leader since we've been um since we've been away with 11 goals or 11 points sorry in 17 games
0: he's an interesting one to me i was thinking about him the other day and just kind of like watching a couple of little plays he made i think in the edmonton game Mm-hmm and the thing that stuck out to me and and I, it's it's so interesting um because i i think it's really interesting that his game seems to be more effective as has gone on and it's it the the reason like that Obviously, as he gets more comfortable with his line mates, as he gets more comfortable in the scene, getting his feet under him, playing with this team, blah, 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 blah. like he's going to improve, it's going to show. Yeah. He's a veteran, like he's a quality player, all that stuff. But the thing that I think is the most interesting to me is his game hasn't fundamentally changed, mm-hmm. right? Like he's not really doing things differently from a functionality standpoint. It's more just about him being able to know where his line mates and teammates are going to be so where he can use what he's good at more effectively. Like, I've noticed on the half wall, he is great uh, with keeping the pucks, either, you know, uh, stopping a puck, stopping a clearance, and then just kind of making plays in tight in the corners, behind the net, on the half walls, and and creating second and third opportunities when it looks like it's going to be heading the other way. He makes a lot of really good, um, you know, forechecking decisions. He's physical. He's getting pucks off guy's sticks on the back check. And it's just been interesting because I think early, excuse me, early on when he came back, because obviously he missed time injured. You could see all of the little things that he does, but he looked a little slow. He looked a little rusty and that's obviously like normal, but it it was just so interesting because he you could see all the stuff he was doing and you're like that's all the stuff you want him to do like he's not doing any he's not not doing things right going yeah. to the front of the net winning battles being aggressive on the forecheck he's doing all the things you want to do it just wasn't necessarily having the effect and as he's continued to get more time with his line mates and, and kind of settle in he just seems to be getting better and better like he had a a really nice little tonight like a little one touch play to on a zone entry um and it was it's just nice to see him really finding his footing with this team and um you know seeing exactly what it is about his game obviously that that Pat Verbeek was willing to give him the money and the term that he gave him
1: yeah no, it's it's nice to see him get in and, and kind of find his feet, like you said. And when you know, once everybody's back, everybody's going, it'll be nice to have him as that kind of complementary secondary scoring piece where it's not all on Terry, it's not all on Carlson or Ziegris to get things going. Um and I don't think we've had a time or many games this year where all of them have been in a lineup where you've had Terry and McTavis, Ziegris, Strom, Kaloran, all these guys, Carlson mm-hmm. in the lineup. So hopefully sooner rather than later we get them all in and we can kind of finally see how this team's going to look at full strength. Um, okay, one one thing before we move on. I want to... So Kalorn is first over the last 17 games, 11 points in 17 games. Henriques right after with 10 in uh, 17 games. Then is Terry with 10 in 16. I want to see if you th- could guess who is at number four with eight points, four goals in 15 games. It's... Uh, LA, it's not... A common name. It's not one of the the, the guys you would normally expect Is it Leeson? In it. It's Brett Leeson.
0: Bro, he's been so nice on this team.
1: Yeah, four goals, three primary assists, one secondary assist, eight points over his last fifteen games. Not bad. He he is. I
0: want to think how I want to say this. He is to me. A guy that – I don't want to say I – don't, I don't know how to, he reminds me of the Barkley Gaudreau's and the Blake Coleman's. Yeah. I, I don't think he's quite Brandon Hagel. I don't think he has quite that offensive ability. But he's smart. He works really hard. And he's shown an ability to finish around the net. And he is the type of guy that it would be – it'll be very interesting to me. Even if he doesn't get moved, right, just to hear after the deadline or even leading up to the deadline, if he's a guy people are calling about because he's young. The Ducks got him on waivers like there's everything to gain and nothing to lose from keeping him and from trading him. Yep. And he's just such an interesting player to me because of, again, they picked him up on waivers. He was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit last year. He was fine. And he, towards the end of last year and then just this year, he's just taken a big step and and he just looks like a, a modern fourth line bottom six winger. Um, You know, I think tonight he's playing with Lundestrom and McGinn and like, yeah, that's that's the lineup I want. Like, that's a great line to me. You know, three guys are going to play the right way, play, be able to do some things with the puck on their stick and have enough size and speed to be able to handle other teams. Right. Like, I don't think you're going to send them out there to, to be your checking line or anything like that. Um, But they're a team you can certainly trust out there if they get caught out there against another line to at least play well. Right. Y- you're not going to be all that excited about about the 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 talent matchup right like if that line gets caught out there against like Matthews or McKinnon or McDavid or whatever you're like yeah that's obviously a disadvantage for the Ducks but this isn't a team or that isn't a, a group of players and I think Leeson really exemplifies this that you you're nervous about where in the past there has been third and fourth lines for the Ducks where you do get nervous about them being out there for longer than 15 or 20 seconds against other teams, top six. And, you know, again, he's the guy that I could absolutely see teams in the hunt calling about to add for bottom depth. I think he's an RFA at the end of this year. He's not going to be expensive. Um, You know, there's, there's just absolutely nothing about him that is going to require him to make $4 million next year. listen yeah he makes seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. he's an rfa with arbitration rights like he's he's not even a
1: two million dollar player next
0: year like i just it's just awesome man it's just really really awesome
1: yeah i mean you can't complain like one guy i was thinking he kind of reminds me a bit of, of when ryan hartman started to get going for uh for minnesota that type of player who plays a physical kind of game. You know, Not every game does he chip in offensively, but he can plug holes in the lineup. And then when he does play up in the lineup, he, he has enough hockey sense and skill to contribute and play well. And that's what we've seen from him. Over the last stretch here, which is nice. I mean, we we get every year, I think we get a, a couple of these guys who impress and and step forward, but it's it's kind of nice when it's it's a guy who you picked up off waivers, right? And mm-hmm. um, you didn't expect too much from him. We've talked about I think early on in our early season predictions and whether he'd be in the lineup or not, and then to mm-hmm. have a a run of games here where you've got eight points in the last fifteen games here, fourth on the team in scoring. It's impressive. It's impressive. It's nice to see from him, and especially when we've had injuries and guys not stepping up. Um, you need other guys from in the bottom of the lineup to step up and produce, and obviously the Ducks haven't won a ton of the games over the last stretch here. Uh, but things are a lot worse if you don't have these guys stepping up and and performing. So it's uh, it's it's awesome it's awesome to see a guy like that get going and and have some success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you hit it perfectly on the head, which is even just to be a successful team. Um, So Anaheim is three and two in games that he has a goal. And one, two, three, and one and three in games in which he has an assist. So they are five and four in games that he scores in. So they have a winning, but anyways, that's what I was trying to say is you, you over the course of the season, if you're going to win games, you're going to need guys to to pitch in. We always talk about depth scoring and it's huge. It's also especially helpful to have those guys pitch in when your team isn't good because it helps kind of keep, you know, morale up a little bit. It it helps it not feel so bad because when you're, you are getting, you know, Points in production from the bottom of your lineup. You know, again, it's like Radko Gudas turning into Eric Carlson. Yeah, it's just found money. And it's so valuable over the course of an 82-game season to just be able to find money in the seat cushions. It's just huge. And and again, like, you know, I don't think Leeson is anywhere near as, like, physical uh, as Ryan Hartman is. Yeah. But if he can even just be generic— Third line level, you know, ten goals, twelve goals, you know, maybe forty points over the course of a year. Like, you're fucking ecstatic. Like, if he gets near anywhere near thirty five, forty points, that's that's absurd luck for Anaheim.
1: No, yeah, I mean, you're happy with like you know, twenty, twenty five, and say, listen, that's a great year from you. You get anywhere near thirty or forty from a guy you picked him off waivers, that's wild. There's a game back on now. Yeah. To start, well, we might as well talk about this guy because he's standing on his head tonight. What do you thought about Lucas Dostal so far this year?
0: He's been really interesting to me because he hasn't had great five on five numbers, but he's been strong on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've just been really interested by the fact that like he, it's just very interesting to me that he has struggled at five on five and done well on the penalty kill. Let's see if I can bring up Evolve
1: Hockey. It's kind of Look similar to his um, season last year. Is like more often than not, he's average to above average. Then he just has a couple of these games, man, where like it just, the numbers get tanked. He led an eight against Colorado. He led five against Philly, six against Edmonton. Those were three starts in a row or like for him, he had Philly November 10th. Um, Colorado November 15th and then Edmonton November 26th. That just uh, really, really hurt his numbers. But since then, he's been pretty strong. Um, you know, a loss uh, in a tough game where he stopped 24 or 25 against Chicago, a win against Detroit, a good performance against Calgary, and a loss. And then obviously tonight, right now, he's got 36 saves um, a bidding for the shutout right now against the Leafs. It's been on and off. It's what I guess you expect from a rookie goaltender. But I think he more often than not, he comes out and puts in a, a pretty strong performance. So, so
0: here's here's what's fucking awesome, okay? In say in shorthanded save percentage, he is 17th in the league. 16th is John Gibson. They are separated by 0.05 percent. Okay. Uh, so Dostal is 8907. Gibson is 8912. And Elvis Merzlikins is apparently the best save percentage. Uh, in the league uh, at 93-44, and then it's over. Markstrom, Talbot, Aiden Hill, Jonathan Quick, Swayman, Ondrej sure, Copley, whatever. Here's the thing that I think is interesting: when you switch to goal save above Accepted, Dostal jumps up to nine, and Gibby oh. jumps up to seven. So, like, just again, just like with when they're shorthanded, the Ducks have done a perfectly good job of, or let me say it this way, Ducks goaltending has done a perfectly good job of trying to keep this team in it. If you switch to, uh, let's see, even strength, that's what I want. Save percentage. Lucas Dostal is not in the top 50. At all. And John Gibson is 44th. Yeah, so you can kind of (coughs) easily see, yeah. Excuse me. And when you switch to goals saved above expected, John Gibson moves up to 24th, and Dostal is not anywhere in it. So yeah, at at even strength, Gibson's been fine.
1: It could be the games that they're getting as well. Dostal getting primarily the back-to-backs that it's tough to come into those games with a tired team. Like he, you, know, he had a run here where I think Gibby was sick or out. He, he had three in a row. also did Calgary, Detroit, and Seattle. But those tough games that he had, um, the loss to Edmonton, the loss to Colorado, and the loss to Philly, I think two of those were back-to-backs. And Then one of them was like a, a four-day layoff. Um, where they were coming in tired. So, again, the games you're getting, a few of these performances, they're tough against good teams, high scoring teams. They're going to deflate the numbers a little bit, but more often when he's been in the net than he's not, I said, okay, you know, it, it looks good. You know, he, there, there looks like there's something there he's building on last year. Um, ideally, you know, we talked about this last time and the way Gibson's playing. If he gets moved, can also be the starter by the end of the season? I don't know if I've, I've, my stance has changed from what I had said before. I think I'm still kind of in the same spot. It's going to be tough for him. I think he could be ready to take the starting job um, if necessary, if the Ducks do move on from John Gibson. It's still mm-hmm. going to be tough. It's still not a great team. Um, they're marginally better than last year, so there are going to be tough games. But I don't think he's like he's lost any games on his own. You look at those games where you know, he led in eight, led in six. Like Those are bad games all around by the entire team.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, that's the thing for me is, is I just don't feel like the Ducks goaltending has been a liability this year. I don't think their goaltending has been the reason they've been, you know, not in games or anything like that. It's 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 been health. It's been penalties. It's been a lack of production from some of the players at the top of the lineup. Like, it, you know, it's been a talent disparity on a lot of nights. You know, I just... It's just really interesting me man because like I just you know we've talked about this again a hundred times like I've never felt like goaltending was the issue in Anaheim even when it looked like Gibby was cooked and to see this team this year have a much more cohesive defensive plan and scheme in front of the goalies and to see both of them play better than they did last year. I just I don't know what you want, man. That's just it's just so nice to be able to look and be like, Yeah, like if we lose, we lose. But like it's not like we're not losing games because of the goalies. It's no. just not happening. And and I'm sure that there is a game or two here where if you know you ask Cronin or some of the other players, even the goalies themselves, they would be like, Look, I should have had one or two of these goals and we could yep. have won that game. And and yeah, that's fine. I get that. Comes
1: with the position, right? So
0: But there's just yeah, but th- there's just not any reason to be concerned about goaltending right now, and I think the thing that remains interesting to what you were talking about with moving on from Gibby is how does this year affect how Gibson is viewed mm-hmm. outside of the organization and also how does this year affect what you know Verbeek wants to do? Because I just... I I don't want to wait for Lucas Dostal's next deal to be imminent before figuring it out.
1: No, I got, I, 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 listen, I, I think if the, I swear I say this every year, but I think if there's a year that Gibson gets traded, I think it could be this year. There's a lot of teams out there, good teams that are, maybe on the outside looking in, uh, in the playoff picture right now, or in a playoff spot kind of the outside looking in on being one of the elite teams in this league that are in a desperate hunt for a netminder. And I think, I think John Gibson, the way he's played, you know, everybody, the numbers aren't great. 904 save percentage in a vacuum isn't that great. When you watch the guy play this year, he is, Kept the Ducks into some games. He's drugged, dragged them to some, some wins they didn't deserve. Um, you look at the team we're playing tonight. You know Their big goalie signing, Ilya Samsonov, they just sent on waivers. Um, yeah. they're, they've they got Joseph Wall, who's a rookie. They have, I think, Matt Hildeby playing tonight, who's got his NHL debut. Well, Jones, Martin Jones is in. Oh, Martin Jones is tonight. Sorry, yeah. But they just brought up um, Hildeby, and then Hildeby, Jones yeah. is their other option. I mean, he's playing pretty good tonight, but that's for a team that has aspirations to win a Stanley Cup you can't have that so they're a team we say this every year but the Leafs are a team um that we get looking at netminder the Devils are a team that everybody thought they would be better right now they're just hanging on to that last I think they're outside of that last uh wildcard spot right now uh 2014 and two they need a netminder because Vanacek they're having the same problem with him who they had signed to be their netminder and he hasn't been that great Schmid hasn't been um, that great either So they're looking So I think there's There's a market from Teams that are kind of Desperate for netminers To try and make a push That I could see him Going somewhere I could see both those Markets interesting Obviously New Jersey A little bit closer To his hometown The Leafs I don't know if that's interesting for John Gibson, but certainly a team that if you if they get the right netminder, things could change for them because they have a lot of talent on that roster. So I, I think we could see him get moved this year. And like you said, the Ducks could finally be in a position with watching how Lucas Dostal is played in games like this, where they say, okay, I think he might be ready to take that next step. You know, bring a netminder back in a, in a trade or or in that trade or in a, in a separate trade to kind of be able to split the load with him for the rest of the season. And see how things go. I I think they're in the best position they have ever been to be able to allow John Gibson to go and let somebody else take the reins.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's especially interesting because there's a few different places I think he could reasonably end up, right? You've got Toronto and New Jersey, and I would say Edmonton is the other one. That's probably the big one there. Yep. Minnesota, I think, is a team that you could certainly look at it. You know, Gustafson hasn't been good this year. Um, and if you know he's struggling, then yeah, Mark Andre. If, if Fleury goes
1: down, yeah, yeah, like I, just, I, I just, don't think... hurt right now too, and Fleury's being kind of thrust into the starting job. They both haven't been good, so if Fleury goes yeah, down, and, you never right. know.
0: Then you've got LA. Uh, I think I already said Carolina is a team I think is a
1: really interesting. Hey, player. hey, hold on, you're doing your boy. No justice here in LA, saying they're they're looking for a netminder. Look, man, Cam I, Talbot has been you, a stud this year. Do
0: you do you want to go into the playoffs with 35 year old fucking Cam Tal? If 30, I he might even be older than that. I mean, like the way I just he's
1: playing though, man. Like it's. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but also I just 36 year old Cam Talbot, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, man, I love him. I I want good things for him. You know, like I, I just, <laughs> I I just, if you're LA, may I I just wonder, like, are you anxious? Like, the fucking Pierre Luc Dubois thing hasn't quite worked out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you really want to just be like, ah, screw it. Let's just see what happens with Cam Talbot and we'll address this in the offseason. Maybe that is what you do, right? Maybe you run the whole year out with Cam Talbot and then maybe you call about Gibson or, or another goalie, you know, once the year ends. But I just, the year that they're having, I don't think LA should be comfortable. I think they should be aggressive. I just think there are a lot of interesting teams out there that could use a goalie and you know we talk about this a lot too like it's gonna come down really more than anything to how much is pat for beak willing to eat and how much does he want to get back Mm -hmm. you know is he willing to take back money because if he's willing to take back money you know maybe you do look at something like toronto or samson off makes three and a half you've got uh Ryan Reeves, I think, makes like one and a half or something like that. I, I know, I know. But I'm I'm just thinking about the numbers, right? You know, yeah. maybe you take back, you know, fucking camp for some shit, you know. But like, I just, there's interesting questions to be asked. And I also think you can make a perfectly reasonable argument for, you know what? We've finally been able to put Gibby behind a team as a veteran netminder that can do some things in front of him. And so let's see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mason yeah. McTavish is trying to fight. Who's he trying to fight? <laughs> I think not, who's 37.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like that used to be Angball's number for Toronto, but he's not that's there anymore. Some goober.
0: I don't know. Wow. this
1: craziness. Oh, is it Lily? Thirty seven on yes, it's Lily, Lily again. Yeah.
0: Oh, he's getting under Mason's skin. This is fun. This game's getting chippy. I like it. I've talked yeah.
1: we've talked about this before. Like honestly, I for me I'd love for him to go to New Jersey. And bring yes. somebody like Alexander Holtz back in, in that deal. Vanek maybe thrown in to help with the cap situation. Yeah. yeah. Um. Ideally, I think that I think that works for both. Honestly, for for Gibby, he doesn't have to go to Toronto for that market. New Jersey is still a little, you know, it's maybe more in in the uh, the media than say Anaheim is, but certainly not at the level of like a Toronto or a New York or a Boston or something like that. He is closer to home. He's closer to Pittsburgh. Um, so that helps him as well, be a little bit closer to family, and they're a good team, man like they, really, when you look and dive into their numbers, and again, we talked about this before, like, goaltending has been their issue there are some teams you look at it and, you know, goals against average isn't great, and you can say, oh, it's a team thing, whatever, when you dive into the, the you know, the underlying stats for their team goaltending has been a major, major issue for them, Banachek has not been good, Schmid has not been good, Nico Dawes, I think, has just come up for them, and, and looked okay, but Ideally they need a veteran netminder to come in and help them win some games here and honestly when you look on the market right now like John Gibson probably is the best fit for them to bring somebody like that in um and it turns them i think from a team just on the fringe here to to being one of you know competing with the Hurricanes and the Panthers and the Rangers and the Bruins for for top spot in the division i think they're they're one of those pieces away from really changing the way their season has gone
0: how many goalies in the East are better than John Gibson?
1: Um, Shesterkin, You've got the three uh, Russians, which I think Sorokin, is Sharokhin. Yeah,
0: Vasilevsky. Even if Vasilevsky yeah. hasn't been great this year, I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and act like if I have one game to win, I'm not taking Vasilevsky over John Gibson. Like I'm. Not yeah, gonna he's also coming
1: back it. from an injury, and it's tough the way things have gone there. Uh, beyond that, like you can maybe make a case. For Bobrovsky, the way he's played this year, but that's You've got tough. the Boston Allmark guys. and Swayman, but again, is that product of the team because they always they both do well every year under this team and the way they play. Um, but yeah, I think I think you get those the three Russians, the Sorokin, Shisterkin, and Vasilevsky, and then it, it's between him and you know Bobrovsky and Allmark and. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Yari hasn't been good, so you can't really throw him into that discussion, so that there aren't too many better than than him uh, in the East now, and if they are, again, like we mentioned, they're the elite of the elite in in this league, right. with, you know, Shisterkin, Sorokin, and Vasilevsky being potentially three of the top five goaltenders in the entire National Hockey League.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. That, that, that's the thing. Like, I just... It's such an interesting thing, and like... You know, like, even... Uh, You know, like, I feel like Carolina, to me, is the counterweight to the Boston-Vegas thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where, with Vegas, it was like, oh, well, they had Loren and Aiden Hill, and they just figured it out with all these guys. And it's like, yeah, but there are also teams that are just as good, just as well-coached, Carolina being the one. Mm -hmm. And they can't. Make it out of the fucking first or second round because they don't have a goalie who can win them a game. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly not a system issue. It's clearly not a coaching issue. If you want to say Carolina doesn't necessarily have the high end talent, I'm. I mean, I I think that's hard to. Is 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 Vetch? I mean. Jack Eichel, the best goal scorer on the two teams, but Aho and Svechnikov are right there.
1: Yeah, Seth Jarvis is taking a big step forward. He's the second second highest point getter on the the Hurricanes. He's got 27 points in 38 games. The Aho's been the main guy, but Svechnikov has come back and just been lighting it up since he returned. um Netchash has been good. Jarvis, Aho, like they have a good team. Brent Burns, um the way they no, play too, but. No. Don't fucking don't bring him up. We're having but conversation. I mean, beyond recently, right. they, they recently struggled early on. They're in a good spot now, but it's, they could not buy a win from their netminders. freddie has been hurt. Ronta was the guy. Kachetkov early on wasn't good. I mean, Kachetkov over his last 10 games has been one of the best in the league. So that's why they've been winning games lately. They're they're on a four game winning streak. They're 6-1-3 and three in their last 10. A lot of that has been because of the play of the team with Peter Kachetkov in net, but how sustainable is that, right? Because we've right. seen this guy go on on runs before. And I think, obviously, they're going to take their time and test it and see by the deadline if he's still going. And I don't think they're a team that moves for a netminder. But you're right in comparing them with Boston and Vegas there and saying, well, it's the product of the team that those netminders are good. Well, no, because the Hurricanes are in a very similar situation, the way they built their team and how good they are and the way they're coached. Um, but they just can't seem to put it together because they don't have a solid netminder. Like all Marcus Swayman are great netminders, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, great netminders. When you put the right system in front of them, they can win you a game or help you get to that. that but that's to... but that's my thing. I don't
0: think either of those. Like maybe you have to say Aiden Hill can win you a game, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. And I think that's what it is, right? Is you see the limitations mm-hmm. of. Not having a difference-making goaltender. Because say what you will about Bobrovsky, on an on it a, on a general basis, he is comfortably in the middle of the league, if not sometimes below average. Bobrovsky can win you a fucking game. Like he can have the type of night where you're just like, oh, Bob won us the game.
1: Yeah,
0: I've felt this way about Freddie his entire career. Freddie doesn't do that. I'm not a hundred percent sure how much, how capable Olmark and and Swayman are. I I, I would have more faith in them than either of the dudes in uh, Vegas, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, they've had a really good team in front of them. They're really well coached and, it's also something to be said that the guy that they were really good under is the dude that then went to Vegas and did it with other goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I just wonder if you're Carolina, like how, how willing are you to continue to just not give Rod Brindamore a fucking goalie? Like, I just, I don't know how, like, like, it's so stupid, but like you look at Carolina and you're just like, okay, they either need to go out and get, a B-plus goal scorer, which is hard to get, mm-hmm. or they need to go out and get a difference-making goaltender, which is hard to get. But you can't just keep fucking running it back. And this, well, let's just keep finding right-handed defensemen who shoot from the point a lot with Burns yeah. and D'Angelo, and then they were in on Carlson. Like, that doesn't actually solve the
1: problem. It's, it's not even really something they ever really needed, either. Um, uh, Listen, like, the, the Hurricanes have a few options what they could do, but they've just run experiments so far that haven't panned out. They obviously have the Freddie experiment and his injuries that hasn't panned out at at a time. They thought about anti-Ranta maybe being the guy and that beyond being a backup you hasn't knew. panned out. I think this Kachetkov thing is the last experiment for them because they don't have any in-house pieces to really run with from here or any that are close to the NHL. Just, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Cause I know at some point um, it was rumored that Askarov could be on his way out of Nashville. Do you go that route and try and get a young guy in, and and build it up that way? Do you have the time to do that, or do you go out and hunt a John Gibson and bring the veteran presence in there? Honestly, you know, there's merit to both approaches on what you'd rather do. They're still a relatively young team. Um, but again, there's more risk, I think, on the Askarov side of things than the John Gibson side of things. But there's some flexibility in how much he makes and being able to make additions elsewhere as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? And then you just hope, essentially that you can win a cup before you have to pay him and then it doesn't hurt so much when you have to move on from guys that you
1: like uh in order to keep Askarov around. Yeah, but so I mean, like he I just, still hasn't hasn't played a single game for the Predators this year, which is uh Like wild. here's a like here's an insane fucking question.
0: Would you just trade two first round picks for UC Saros?
1: I mean yeah, I, I, I think he's proven that he he like, can be uh, a, a solid netminder. I mean, I he's, mean, he's he, proving, in some games, he's, he's dragged Nash- – I did not expect Nashville to be in a playoff spot at, at this point this year, and he's been excellent for bro, them so two far. Two more
0: years at $5 million. He's going to be 29 at the end of the year, April 19th. Like, I just – man, I – oh, man, I would just have to call them and be like, hey, man, what is it going to take? You know, is it a first, a second, and a third? Like, is it two firsts? Is it, you know, do we have to give you our best young player? Like, you know, I mean, shit. Like, two firsts, Jack Drury, and whoever the fuck. Like, I just, UC Soros, again, is like the perfect goalie to add to that team. Because in a system, he's shown that he's capable of playing well. And he has also shown that he is of a caliber that he can win you three out of five games, three out of six games. And they just have never had someone like that. Uh, You know,
1: I can see it if, if if Nashville falls out of a playoff spot, um, you know, if, if Edmonton picks it up or the blues or the wilds kind of start going and and Nashville falls off, which is definitely possible. um, And they're out, out of a playoff spot by the deadline. And, you know, somebody calls them with, with an offer that's too good to refuse it. It, it is nice knowing that you could move him and you still have Askarov and Askarov has played well. He's had a couple of relief appearances this year where he's looked excellent in, in the AHL. He's looked pretty good over the last couple of years. So it's definitely possible. I could see, I think it'd be one of the ones that are out there. You wouldn't expect it to happen, but it's not, I think out of the realm of possibility that Nashville, depending on where they are at that point, um, could consider moving him if they get the right offer. Yeah.
0: Also, if you're Nashville, do you want to be in the playoffs this year? Like, wouldn't you rather have some hope of doing something weird in the lottery? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I don't
1: know. Lucas Dostal um, save watch. He's at forty-eight now.
0: Yeah, and they're about to go on the penalty kill, so
1: it's gonna get over to fifty. Oh, dude, he might get to sixty tonight. There's seven course, minutes yeah. left. If There's, this goes to and, OT, it's good. he's he, getting he, to sixty for sure,
0: bro. He, there's seven minutes left, and the power play hasn't even started yet.
1: What's um, the – um the Ducks record is like 54 or something, isn't it, from John Gibson a couple seasons ago? 54, 56, something uh, like that. Let's see here. Anaheim, Ducks, goalie, single game save
0: record. Most saves in a game. John Gibson, 53 saves on 59 shots. He gave up six goals. Yeah to pittsburgh
1: he i think he has the shutout one too i don't remember what it is but he has the most saves in a shutout too uh Uh, no no he does not do you want to guess who has the most saves in a shutout is it recent Uh, it is very recent is it miller nope oh stolar is that yep
0: Forty six saves. So he's already 50. if he gets the San shutout. Jose he's already Sharks. broken.
1: He's already broken. Fifty three is the all time record for the duff, right? So Yeah.
0: Fifty-three saves is the record.
1: He's at forty nine yeah. in, in a shutout right now, if we continues. So he's already broken that. He's gonna hit fifty if he gets the shutout for sure. I think no matter what he gets to fifty three, um, whether the least score or not, he's getting to fifty three. Um he's a four away with five minutes to go and lease are on a power play right now. So oh, oh boy. here. They score? Yeah, I got an update Tavares our on the power play. <laughs> well,
0: that's on us, folks. Shot shot number
1: shot number fifty goes in the back of the net from John Tavares on the power play. That's our fault. Yeah.
0: Uh okay. Anthony Stolars has a forty-six game shutout or forty-six shot shutout Jonas Hiller has a forty-five shot shutout. And another goalie had a 45-shot shutout in a 1-0 win over Colorado on December 22nd, 1998. Do you want to guess oh. who that goaltender was? 1998? 1998. I do uh, not remember this
1: guy. I, I Martin Gerber? Dominic Roussel. <laughs> Jeez. Well...
0: That was fun. But yeah. Jonas Seller, Ryan Miller, John Gibson. Mikhail Stolenkov has a 51 save,
1: two goals against game. Jeez Louise. So right. gross, bro. So Anything gross. else Ducks related you want to chat? I do want to talk just kind of league stuff as well before, but I want to make sure we cover everything. We've missed a lot, but we haven't missed a lot. You know what I mean? It's been kind of that mid-season stretch where we've missed a lot of games, but we haven't missed a lot of t- talking points. I, uh, How do you feel
0: about the defense as a whole right now? I want to ask you that.
1: I, I think it's okay. I think, I think it's progressing in the right direction. I think with dry still coming back and you're getting a better picture of what it's going to look like. Uh, Minchikov has slowed down a little bit, but I still think he's looked good. Um, you know, the, the rookies and him and Lacombe. Um, they've looked good. And, you know, again, things have slowed down, but they're fine. I like what Gudis brings. I'm I'm a slightly disappointed in a sense. Um, I still do like what he brings, but I feel like it hasn't been, you know, what maybe he's done in the past. I guess he's been in better teams. So it's been a little bit of a different approach to his game here in Anaheim. But, you know, him and Labushkin have been good. Cam's been Cam. So I, I don't have too many concerns whether they've been better than last year. Um, And I think with the young guys in the lineup and with young guys that are going to get in the lineup, um, Zellweger being the the prime candidate, the way he's playing in San Diego this year, that they're, they're trending in the right direction. Um, But talk, talk to me in 15, 20 games so I can get a little bit better of a look at Drysdale and how he's doing. And I think I might be a little bit more optimistic.
0: So here's, here's the thing that's interesting. In expected goals against Per 60, Lakom and Gudis is third.
1: Tominti Labushkin is one? No. No, I mean in the league, according to Moneypuff. Oh, in the league. Oh, my goodness. I thought you were talking about the team. Nope. Okay. I take that back, Lacomb and Gudis.
0: Spe- oh, no, no. That's expected goals again. against Per 60. They're seventh. Hey, it's not bad. Not bad at all. Oh, no. Back in nine Goudis is seventh with 308. OK, so that's what it was, because they've look Le- Lacomb Goudis is 14. Uh Yeah, dude, I don't know, man. I, I, I genuinely like Radko Goudis. Like, I, I could not be happier with how well he's played this year.
1: I love the guy. I do. I, I I maybe I'm biased exactly... because I own him in fantasy <laughs> hockey and he hasn't got me as many hits as I wanted. <laughs> But you know
0: what? Like, it's so funny because, like, I, I think you're right. I do think that he hasn't quite been maybe as, like, physical at times as I would have hoped a little bit. Yeah. But just, you know, like, it's...
1: You can't it's, ask for much crazy, more what he, than what he's given you. Like, he has been good for the role that he fills. Um, you know, if you, if you ask me at the beginning of the season you know the way he's played i think when we were looking at when he came in and what we thought he would do this year i think he's done everything we hoped for from him so you can't ask for much mm-hmm. more than that you know he's been a solid addition to this team labushkin's been a solid addition to this team um and having them both on the right side and now dry still come back it's it's provided some shape and solidity to the blue line which is nice we haven't had that since a lot of our right-handed when we were we had a lot of right-handed defensemen at one point and then losing Mont- montour and votin um, it's been a struggle for a while and not having uh a ton of defensemen on the on the right side, so uh, it's nice to see these, these two guys come in and, and now with Drysdale back healthy kind of solidify that and give us some shape and structure
0: yeah and i I think you know it's it's you're starting to see the team defensively kind of like show. I mean, yeah, like I think you said, like takes shape. But, like, just see what different guys can bring. Like, I think Vakanainen has been a huge – um, a huge get for this team. Like, I just think – again, like, we talked about it early in the season, man. He's just been so good. He's just played so well and so responsibly while he's been in there. Like, it's just been so nice. Like, there's just so much – optimism around this team that it's it's gonna be really interesting in a couple of years. So I well let me ask you this. Let's bring that up since I just reminded myself of that. Pat beek did an interview with John Shannon and somebody else, and I don't remember who it was. And he they asked him how far away they think the team is. And he said he thinks at least
1: two years if he's honest. Yep. What is your reaction to that comment? I, I I'm I agree with it. I think they are about two years away from being competitive. I think you've got guys like Olin Zellweger and Tristan Leno um, about a year or so away from being you know, full-time NHLers along the same lines as Minchikov. Zellweger could be that next year. Luneau maybe uh, a season in the AHL next year, and then two years from now is up in the NHL. So then you've got a lot of good young defensemen in and around the lineup that you can replace some of these guys with. Um, you know, you've got Leo Carlson for another two years to develop Zegris McTavish. Um, you know, you've got guys like Pashov and Perot that you hope get going. Whoever you draft in this year, um, and then maybe guys like S- uh, Sidorov and a few others hit. Um, so that uh, you carry Terrence, yeah, yeah, carry Terrence, who's just had a pretty good World Juniors as well. So you've got time for those guys to develop and time for the guys in the lineup to establish themselves. I think two years is the the cusp where it'd be the earliest you start to th- see things turn around. I think anywhere between two and four years, and it, and again, it all just depends on how guys develop. Can Lucas Dostel become a starting netminder in the NHL? That's a big if, and, or, but on whether this team is going to be competitive in two years or four years. um, Again, is, you know, Jamie Drysdale and Zellweger and Luno and Minchikov and Lacombe, all these guys going to hit and be able to stay and contribute all together in the NHL roster? That's an if. Are, you know, is Leo Carlson going to develop into a first-line center? Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry going to be seventy point four? Is McTavish, is he going to be a, you know, 60-70-point to 70 point guy? And are the Ducks going to add any more, you know, for talent through the draft to be able to supplement that, so I think all those things, and however they pan out, will either get you closer to that two-year mark or closer to that four-year mark, and it just depends on how many of those things pan out, how many of them hit. But yeah, I, I think as Jim, you got to be optimistic, and for him to say two years, I think that's spot on and being you know, realistic and optimistic at the same time. I think anything sooner, it would be ridiculous. They're they're definitely not a year or so away from competing, but I think you can realistically look at this team and say, hey, if things go right, they are two years away from competing for a playoff spot. Yeah,
0: no, I, I think, I think, I think that, they should finish closer to 10 than 5 next year. And I think the year after that, you're hoping you're late in the lottery. And in that third year, I think you're looking at, okay, this should be a wild card team at the very least, because that's, you know, that's the first year of Carlson's new deal that – what else are we looking at with that? You're looking at, you know, some of the teams uh, in the Pacific Division at that point um, maybe struggling or or, or uh, aging.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, Vegas has an older roster, you know, Uh the Kings, I don't know that that's the team to worry about. But like Vancouver, the whole the wheels could fall off the wagon of Vancouver at any point. Like JT Miller, you know, is like 30, 31 years old. Like I don't think you're going to be keep looking at him to be great. The Flames
1: are a fucking joke. The Blues are a fucking joke. The I, I Oilers, think two, anything two teams, fucking happen. Two teams in the West, you can be confident that they should be good for the next four to five years. And that's the stars and the Fs. Beyond that... um. I don't think there's any guarantee. Like, I didn't think the Jets would be where they are. No, not <laughs> the, at all. The, the fact that if they win their next game, they're even on games played with Vancouver, they're top in the National Hockey League. I think it's the Ducks that they play next, I believe, <laughs> unless they have a game tomorrow. Um, they could be the best. Yeah, they could be the best team in the Western Conference. I don't think that's sustainable. I think they've always had the roster. Just I'm surprised they put it together this year. I didn't think with everything going on um, that they'd be able to do it. You know, like you said, the Canucks at any point wheels could fall off, the Golden Knights are getting older, LA kind of a combination of they've got some young talent, but then when Kopitar and Doughtier are gone, how does that look? And then everybody beyond that, it's like, okay, the Oilers could be good, but they're usually not. Um, The Wild, the same, the Blues, the same, so confidence really only in the Avs and the Stars, so if a lot of these teams pan out or are, are, are tail off, sorry, the Ducks are, I think, in the best position of any of the rest of the teams to have young talent that could kind of vault them up these standings as the other teams fall down. So, projection-wise, it, it's it's maybe a good time to be two years away, right? Because mm-hmm. two years away, there's a, a lot of the chance for these other teams to kind of fall off and things to fall apart for them, where you can kind of take the place of a few of these teams that, uh, that you, you didn't expect to be in positions they are. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic to say the least. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I fall right in that two to three year range. If you had to give, you know, if I had to answer that question and say, when do I think the Duster can be competitive again? I think two to three years is fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Lucas Dostel who set the official team record with 54
1: saves. Let's go hey. now. Let's get that Deb, man. I just don't want to lose in overtime. I just at least don't. have 104 shot attempts, by the way. You know what, you know what it would be? They have no fucking way. They have they 104? Do. Yeah, that's what my buddy just sent me. Said, uh, he said, at least of 104 shot attempts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it would be t- it would be perfect karma for so us. Be Phoenix. Sh- Suck it, uh, Phoenix. We were shitting on the shootout before this for the Ducks to have this game and lose in the shootout. No, because I don't
0: want the loser point, damn it.
1: I'm just saying, we were shitting on it, and that's how this game would end.
0: But yeah, I mean, we should have known it was going to go into overtime because it's the Leafs and they have like the most overtime wins of any team in the league.
1: Ooh, Kawhi think... with thirty points in that Clippers game.
0: <sighs> Whatever, we beat Phoenix because Phoenix sucks. So I'm, I'm very
1: happy and... that Phoenix is doing bad too. So. Oh, dude, I
0: don't, I don't like them. I don't like them at all.
1: You know who the new team in Phoenix is? The Arizona Coyotes in a playoff spot of defying all the odds. They are in the 8th seed with a nineteen fifteen and two record. I you know, I kinda love to see it, man. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I feel like the answer is fucking
1: luck. Um, <laughs> right. Not even like Logan Cooley is tearing it up, like they're just they're just getting it done. So well, now. I get, hey like, Connor
0: Ingram, man, fifth in the league for even strength GSAX, and let's see, Connor Ingram is also fifteenth in the
1: league at even strength save percentage. This is a team with just some of the most random guys on this roster. Just and a bunch they, of dudes, man. They are. They have the eleventh. They're the eleventh highest scoring team in the league, man. It's <laughs> fucking. They're just dudes. They're just, just dudes. A bunch of dudes. Clayton Keller is the star. And then you got Matthias Michelli, who has 27 points. Lawson Kraus, finally fulfilling the potential from where he was drafted. He has uh, 24 points. Nick Schmaltz, 23. Kerford, Alex Kerford has 23. Nick I has 21. Sean Dursey's got 20. My, Michael Carsone has 14 goals and 19 points. Like It's just a, a bunch of guys riding on vibes, and you kind of got to love it
0: yeah other than the fact that I hate them uh you do
1: have to love it and it's <laughs> fun to hate them too it's a fun hate because those games yeah. are great right now well man like I I hated them like the Domi Duclair era I hated them yeah I hated playing them they'd always t- torture us randomly after and, and just being a completely awful team um but I'm starting to like them I'm starting to like you know they're just kind of a plucky team that is a little bit fun to watch so I, uh, I can't uh I can't complain too much but um I want to talk standings a little bit around the league before we wrap up because I want to see if there's any surprises for you this year, the way things have panned out. Beyond, obviously, the ones we talked about, the Arizonas, uh, the, the Winnipegs. But in the East, you've got Boston, New York, Florida, Carolina, the Islanders, Toronto, Philly, New Jersey, holding on to the top eight spots. Washington's right there, and Tampa Bay's right there. Pittsburgh, 40 points outside of a playoff spot. I think we both nailed that one in Pittsburgh tailing off this year. Is there anything you're surprised by in the East this year? Philadelphia, Where yeah. Philly, yeah. I, being I good? Philly being, being in good. a playoff spot? Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't I don't know how anybody but John Tortorella could have said, this is what this year is going to be. Like, And I'm stoked for them because a lot of it has been Sean Couturier being a fucking, you know, Going back to being a Selkie candidate and and there it is. Game over. Toronto? And it's Austin Matthews. Oh, that's um, a
1: tough one. That's a tough one. But first
0: overtime loss of the season for the Ducks. Took them to what their 35th, 36th game. So let's see.
1: But yeah, man, Philly, Philly's um Konechny's having a great year. Carter Hart's rebounded. Uh, the oh. backup goalie, Samuel Erson, has split starts with Carter Hart and looked pretty good. Um, Bobby Brink, the rookie's coming and, and been pretty impressive for them. Sandheim's become the number one D, like you mentioned. Sean Couture has had a great return to the lineup. Um, Cam York, Tyson Forrester have jumped up and, and been really good for them. So they've just got kind of a lot of things that have gone well for them. And yeah, surprisingly, man, they're they're holding on to that, to, to that seventh spot right now.
0: Yeah, I, 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 um, it makes me so happy, man, to see that for them. Like, I don't Do know you how like it b- happened.
1: Big Flyers guy.
0: I, you know, dude, it's so funny, man. I fucking hate the internet because <laughs> what happened is there's like all these people online that I like, you know, know or whatever, however you want to say it, and like I just randomly found myself like liking a lot of Flyers fans and just like. When you like someone, you want the stupid shit that they care about to go well for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, oh, like, there's Flyers people that I like. And, like, I like Couturier. I really, you know, I like the Breer era Flyers. Like, when they played the Hawks in the finals, like, that was a fun team. So it's just, it's so random, but it it makes me happy. It, um, just because, especially with everything Couturier had going on, and then after seeing the whole Ryan Ellis situation, to have them get somebody back and be meaningful to them that they thought was going to really be a big part of that team for a couple of years it's just it's nice um what about you who's your biggest surprise in the east
1: yeah i don't think there's anything surprising about the teams that have been bad really like you know we expected Ottawa and buffalo maybe in detroit to take steps forward and they kind of have in a sense but they're still around 500 teams and they're just not better than the teams in front of them um I think Tampa you could say is maybe surprising, but they've had the injuries that they've dealt with and some roster turnovers. I think if and they a make the playoffs by the way. Yeah, if they make a playoffs, they're gonna be one of those teams that you hate to have face in the eighth seed that they could make a run. Like they're just that good. I think if anything, it's it's maybe the Panthers meant Like they They've looked very good, and, I, and it's not like they've been a bad team. I just I didn't know if things were gonna go their way this year. Like I, I expected, the Rangers and the and the Bruins to be two of the top teams, the Hurricanes to be up there, maybe the Leafs to be good. I just thought the Panthers would kind of fall down and be you know ar- around where the Flyers are and have a similar record to the Flyers, but they've looked damn good, man. Like twenty three, twelve, and two. They've got a lot of help from the rest of the roster. Like It, it hasn't been the Matthew Kachuk show. He hasn't even really been that great. He's got 28 points in 37 games. It's, it's Sam Reinhardt. He's got 45 points for this team. Barkov's been good. verhage has been good. Rodriguez has come in to look good. Bobrovsky and our boy Stolars have been a, a good duo for them as well. I don't know, man, they've just just—they've surprised me. I didn't think that they would be as good as they have been. Um, and for them to be kind of on—on on knocking on the door of the Rangers and the Bruins who have been by far and away the two best teams in, in the conference, um, I'm a bit surprised that they are where they are.
0: Matthew Kishchuk is shooting 4.7%. Yeah,
1: that's going to turn oh, at some
0: point. He is going to score. That's scary
1: for them, though. You think, like, if once he starts going. 20 goals in their last
0: 40 games.
1: Yeah. Um they could make a run at uh at you know topping that uh, conference if he gets going and everybody else stays as hot as they are. Sam Reinhardt mm-hmm. becoming an, you know just a, a star for them this year. He's always been good, but the way he's been playing for them this year, um mm-hmm. that's been huge for for their success. Uh, okay, and then the West, before we wrap up, any what what's your big surprise? I guess we'll do a positive and a negative for this, because I feel like there's a little bit more surprises at West.
0: <sighs> I mean Positive surprise. I, I mean, it's, I think it's Winnipeg. I, yep. I, I mean, look, man, I would have had way more faith in Vancouver than Winnipeg to start this year. I, I like the bones of that Vancouver team. I like Demco, I like Hughes, I like Pedersen. Um, you know, I, I think obviously having Besser turn back into what they were hoping he was going to be obviously goes a long way.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Miller's still a stud for that team, too. So which is unfortunate
0: because you would have really liked for him to be terrible. Yeah. Um You know, I, I think. You know who else is? It, it's weird to say Colorado, man. Mm hmm. Like, there's no world in which Ryan Johansson should be – he's been so fucking bad this year. Like,
1: that team, on paper, outside of McKinnon, Ronton, and in McCarr, is not great. Nope. And they are somehow just piecing it together, getting it done. And, yeah, it, it is surprising, man, that they are still top of the conference despite everything else. I mean, it shows you how good those three are. Like, they carry this team <laughs> – on a nightly basis. But you've got team you've still got four, Devin
0: Taves, you've got Bowen Byram. Like they've got good players. Josh Manson is good. Like
1: Nechushkin is again on un, maybe unfortunate the same as J.T. Miller. On Nichushkin has been very, very good too for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: 19 goals, 38 points. But like it it is the big three, man. It's the big three up front for them. It drops off heavily. After those guys. McKinnon's got 61 points. Rontan has 47. Ichushkin has 38. Can you guess who's the next highest forward on their team in points? Uh, well, I can because I'm looking at it, yeah. and that would be
0: once uh one time former Anaheim Duck link trade rumor mm-hmm. target, Jonathan Druin.
1: I saw something points.
0: today. Uh I think it was today or yesterday, but I saw something that like He had, like, three points in his first, like, 15 or 16 games, and he's got, like, 15 points in his last 20 or something They stuck him in
1: in the top six, and he started going. It's it's crazy. You put a skill guy in the top six with other skill guys, and he's able to figure it out. Yeah. But, I Um, mean, yeah, dude, beyond those guys, um, it is – it's not bleak. They just they they have good depth guys and they do their role. But like those guys carry this team. I think almost more than anybody else. And this is a team that doesn't have cog for the entire year, because uh, he's still injured. And for them to do what they're doing, um, even like in that, they're not that great. Like you, Gorgiev has an 8.95 save percentage for them, and their backup is per- Pervez. Prosperov, I guess that would be former uh, Coyotes player, and he isn't hasn't even been that great. So it's just been that the the offensive talent and the the you know the four, the the, I guess the the three man trio that these guys have are so 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 good um, that it's just impossible to stop them on a nightly basis. Nathan McKinnon man, he again working his way back, if he ever got out of it, back into that conversation uh, of being the best player uh, in this league. Like He, he should is...
0: probably be a bigger rumor for MVP.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, it's he's... him and Kucherov, and maybe Panarin, but...
0: Yeah, I, so here's the thing that's interesting. We're listening to you talk about this Colorado team. This is actually in... It's not like... I don't know how to say it, but like utility wise, right? The way that this team is successful is actually very old school where you've got a couple of guys who are doing all of the work from a production standpoint. And then it's just a bunch of guys buying into their role, playing well. And the team as a whole is successful. Like, do we like, does this season and everything that we're talking about and the struggles and the lack of actual legitimate top six scoring and the lack of a set number two center, like is Jared Bednar comfortably in the top five coaching conversation? Is he in that range for you? Because like he was always kind of just outside of it for me, just because I thought the roster talent was so significant, but just the way that he's gotten this team to buy in, and everybody just really just really commit to their role. Like I, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff about where he's at, like he's got to be pretty comfortably like in that conversation for one of the best coaches in the league.
1: I think so, man. Like, I mean that they are not the same team that won the Stanley cup by any means that their, their roster composition is completely different. Mm-hmm. The way the way they play is different to some extent. Um, He's turned it around and just said, listen, we've got our strengths, and our strengths are obvious, and we're going to lead on our strengths, and then when those guys aren't out there, we're going to play a certain way that just allows us to win games by scoring as many goals as possible. Um, so, yeah, I think he has to. you have to give him some credit. Like Again, it, it makes it a lot easier when you have Nathan McKinnon and Ronton and McCarr that you can run out there on the power play and pretty much contribute. Every power play point that is possibly out there. Like I think anytime I ever see a power play goal, it's like McKinnon from Ronton and Makar. Maybe yeah. Nichush Nichushkin gets a or Devin, a, a Devin Caves coming
0: down from the point against the ducks.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly fucking Ray Bork. But yeah, he definitely gets some credit. I think I think who's coaching at Winnipeg now? Uh it's still Rick Bonus. Is it still Rick Bonus? Well, mm-hmm. I think he, I think he definitely gets some credit for the way that they've played this year, um, defensively. I mean, that's a typical Rick Bonus team. Like defensively, they've been unstoppable. Um, and once they're fully healthy and you get Kyle Connor, I think back in the lineup. If unless he's already back in the lineup, um, they are a, a very scary team to play against as well. Second in, in goals allowed so far this year. So uh, somehow. Winnipeg second in goals allowed but have the 27th ranked penalty kill so you know what they'll be trying to do uh, at the deadline is to get better there but yeah I mean it, it, the, the West is so interesting for me the East is kind of like if you had a, you got your projections there's a few guys maybe like New Jersey you maybe thought would be higher Philly you thought would be lower but like they're the kind of the teams that you thought would be where they are um, the West for sure like there are those guys like you know Colorado would be there you know Vegas would be there Dallas would be there but the Preds being in 7th the Jets being in third, the Coyotes being in eighth, like that's surprising. Neither one of Edmonton, St. Louis, or Minnesota, even Calgary to some extent, being in a playoff spot is is pretty surprising. Like you definitely could have made your your arguments against all four of those teams, but for all four of them to not be in a playoff spot at like the thirty five game mark is is definitely surprising to say the least. I thought you you would have to say at least one of them would be in there. I didn't think I didn't think Arizona would be anywhere close. I thought Nashville wasn't going to be that good this year, so it is it is surprising to see the way things have shaked up there. And you know, somehow San Jose winning nine games is surprising enough in its own right too. I don't know how they've won nine games.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny you said that, and I was like, "What about that is surprising?" you like, "Oh, that they actually made it to nine wins." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, Jesus man. They, they um, are
1: us from last year. 32nd 30, 30, 30 in goals. Thirty-second in shots on goal. Uh, thirty-second in shooting percentage. Thirty-second in goals allowed. Thirty-first in shots allowed. Twenty-eighth penalty kill. Uh, twenty-third in penalty minutes taken. The only thing they are marginally good at is they have the nineteenth-ranked power play. Uh, beyond that, it, uh, it's bleak, and it's just the Hurdle and Grandlin show out there in San Jose.
0: So here's, here's what's fascinating. Um, <laughs> so in five-on-five shooting percentage, 32nd, Sharks, 31st, Ducks. Who do you yep. think is 30th?
1: I feel like it's got to be a team randomly in the in the, uh, in the playoff spot or
0: something.
1: Uh-huh. It's a team we've talked about. Uh, the Devils? Florida. Oh, oh,
0: my God. 5v5 percentage. And then 29th, so fourth from the bottom, is the Kraken. And here's the thing that's interesting. The Kraken are only one point out of the wild card and they have played two more games than arizona so that's against them but you know i mean seattle could get weird and get hot maybe like i don't
1: they need to add a goal score if they had a goal score at the deadline too i think that uh if there is one available they should go out and try and get whoever that the top goal score is they need some some offensive flair on this team because they don't have it
0: they don't they don't and you know
1: you know, they would be an interesting team for Henrique, honestly. Tarasenko has been rumored to be on the move at the deadline. I think Tarasenko could be an interesting Ooh. fit for them too.
0: Hey, I had I had a super insane idea, and I wanted to ask you about it because I don't I don't know if I brought this up to you or not. Okay. As far as the Ducks just doing something weird and out of nowhere,
1: how do you feel about trading for Brady Kachuk? I'd love it. I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine Ottawa trades their young captain. But if you could somehow get him, I would. I would definitely look. You you have to, man. Like, uh, like, would you move McTavish for Brady Kachuk? Yeah, I think
0: so, man. I think I would. Or do you try to go all futures
1: and go like? Go. I think ideally, you. I think ideally, you go all futures. Yeah. Leno. A first, you know, yeah, I think ideally I mean, you go all futures and you and you try and get it done. Maybe, yeah, yeah,
0: I don't know, I don't know why, but I was just thinking about it the other day like, oh, trading for Brady Kachuk would be super weird and super. I just think he would provide a dynamic to this team that would be very useful.
1: Oh, cause 100%. he's an insane person, 100%. Um, I'm, yeah. I mean, we, I've loved Matthew Kuchuk and you've loved Matthew Kuchuk for a long time. And Brady Chuck plays some, kind of the same way, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even a little crazier in 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 the way. He physically approaches the game than Matthew Kutrek does. So I'd love him on the team. And I think dynamic, if, if you can keep McTavish and you can keep the rest of those those main guys, like he fits really nice with the guys, whether it's playing with McTavish or playing with Zgris and Terry, um, you can see where the fit would be on this team. And certainly he, I mean, he's well-liked in Ottawa. Certainly he would be well-liked here for the way he plays.
0: Yeah, 100%. He, he, he would be great. I, I don't, you know, I, it's just, it was just an interesting thought, um, bringing in someone who's pretty reliably going to score 30 goals. The other one I thought about, and this is going to get me in trouble, but is Brady Kachuk or Troy Terry, and building around that. Now, you don't uh, want to trade Troy for the same reason Ottawa doesn't want to trade yeah. Kachuk, which is, he's a young guy that means a lot to the team right now. But it, it was just an interesting thought. Oh and then. Since we're doing league-wide stuff real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Someone made a comment, and I thought it was very interesting. And there's someone who I think is wrong a lot, but also right a lot. And it's on Twitter. It's the Rebuilding Blog. Um, Someone I I, I have an account I'm very fond of. I have a lot of of interesting conversations with them. And also, they're a big overall fan like me. So we need to talk about that more. Overalls are good. Um, If your jersey... Would you trade Meyer for
1: Gaudreau? For Johnny Gaudreau? Mm -hmm. No. no. You don't think so? No, I'd let the Meyer experiment run out. Because here's the
0: thing. He has a no-move clause that kicks in next season. So July 1. Meyer does? Uh Uh-huh. He hasn't been very good. There are some concerns that he's been hurt. So I think that is perfectly fair to take into. I just wonder are we sure Meyer is what they need? And and is it is is Meyer what Jersey needs because of his size? Like is that the main attraction? Is it because Jack Hughes is a slider kid? I don't think Jesper
1: Bratt's a very big kid. I think it's his size and his goal scoring ability because they Which they didn't fucking have thing. Yeah, but for what they, they thought they were getting. Right. Um, maybe even if you want to dive deeper into it, the chemistry he's had with Nico Hischer at the international level, that you could put those guys, those two guys together and they'd be able to develop some chemistry there. Um I thought it was the greatest fit for him was to go there, honestly. I thought yeah. he, he would He'd be the best fit for them physically He provides something they don't have Goal scoring wise that's a perfect fit Everything just kind of made sense for him. I don't know how it hasn't worked out for him I don't know what it is Like This guy was great in San Jose On bad teams in San Jose So I don't know what it is I think eventually he figures it out Which is why I wouldn't move him yet Because I still think beyond Nine. anything you can get for him at this low I, I do think he is still the best fit If things pan out for him He's too talented for it to continue yeah. this way Here's the thing that's interesting. Timo Meyer, by
0: weight, is the second biggest player on Jersey. We know he's played... He's not like a true power forward, but he is comfortable using his size. Yeah. I just... Like... Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I just wonder, man. I just think it's an interesting question. And, yeah, man, they fucking... Dude, they're such a small team from a weight perspective. Most of their team is six foot or in that area. And most of the team is under 200 pounds. That's
1: insane. This yeah, I don't know, man. This is a guy last year who averaged over four shots per game, two hits per game. He goes into this year, he's averaging two, uh, two and a half shots per game, one hit per game. So it just feels like he just hasn't been able to get things going both physically and offensively. I I don't know. I I again I I can't no, see it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I totally get what lunch. you're saying. I just I
1: just wonder if. It's
0: something you think about. Just because yeah. he doesn't play, he doesn't play that up paced style, right? He's mm-hmm. a much more methodical presence, which I think has value, obviously. And, and it's nice to have a change up. I just wonder if you know you do have like if you can send out Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt, and then also Gaudreau and Hughes. Mm-hmm. There's a Scary. lot to like there. Yeah. I just, it's just very interesting. I mean, Jersey might be the biggest disappointment for me this season. And to see it come down to goaltending, which was just so fucking predictable, is just so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I don't know how they thought Vanacek and Schmied would be the answer, but... uh... There, the, the the there's a clear if if any team has a clear direction of 100 percent, what they need heading into the deadline and needing one thing it's New Jersey above everybody else. They need a goaltender bad and if you're a team like the Ducks who probably has the best goaltender available on the market at least publicly available, go make him pay. Go make him pay to get this guy. Um and like I said, you get a goaltender. Um that's uh. That's the big thing for me. If you can get if you can get Alexander Holtz from the Devils and bring him back, I don't really care what else you get, because I think Holtz would be a great fit for the young core that the Ducks have. He's proven um and with a limited role in New Jersey that he can produce and in the AHL that he can produce. So I think give him a bigger role in, And I'm playing with Leo Carlson. Get those two guys together. Uh man, it could be a lot of fun. So I'm 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 praying beyond any John Gibson trade we've ever drawn up. I think this is the best fit for him and the best potential return because New Jersey still has a lot of young prospects. Look at Seamus Casey, who's playing for the US at the World Junior Championships right now. I mean, listen, I don't know, I think this might be reaching. I'm sure Devils fans would yell at me, but if you can somehow get Holtz and Casey back for John Gibson, um, you know, obviously paying them paying a little bit more for you to take on Vanachek as well, like that that would be really interesting for me to bring in two young prospects who are close to the NHL like that. Um we'll have to see man it's every year we talk about this and it never happens but i think i think this could be the year that uh, the john gibson moves on just because there's that that one team that's going to be desperately hunting him and as long as as long as they want him is the is the big thing right as long as they think he's the option for them yeah
0: pretty much i mean yeah no 100% um very curious andre Palat, 5 goals 9 assists
1: yeah not been great for him either their two uh, major additions have not not panned out. But despite that, I mean, they've offensively well, worked it fine. the problem
0: they... is their fucking stupid addition this offseason has paid in buckets. And it's stupid ass Tyler Toffoli, who's got 15 goals yeah. and 35. I hate that guy. I hate him yeah. so much, Eddie. I truly yeah. cannot stand that, dude. And it's so petty and it's so stupid. It's not even just, like Jeff Carter, where I'm just like, oh, he seems like a douchebag.
1: This is just I, from his time in L.A. You just don't. Like it's
0: 100 percent from his time in L.A. And yeah. I just, even when he was in Calgary and he was in Montreal, he felt so overrated to me. Like, because he went what? He went from
1: he was LA in Vancouver for a bit to too.
0: Vancouver, then he went to Montreal, and then he went to Calgary. And it's just, he just, ugh, I can't with him. I just. I just can't, and he really is a guy that I should love, just mm-hmm. by everything about, and I can't do it with him, and his dog, I feel like, I think part of it, I think part of it is I feel like, he's got like a really cute dog named Dodger, his from dog. his time in LA, and I feel like people like him more, because his dog is cute, and I just, I fucking, I can't do it.
1: This is an unbelievable so level of pettiness. His it, dog. it really
0: is, dude. and I'm not even mad at his dog. It's just like, oh, your dog is cute. So, like, you get the, like, yeah. the like Instagram and Twitter bonuses. Because, like, his wife is, like, really active on social media. Like, mm-hmm. you know. No. And it was like, oh, my God, blah, 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 Toffoli. She's so good. I was just like, ah, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And it's just, I can't stand him because he was on that 70s line. It's just that
1: simple. Yeah, yeah, I, I do have PTSD from that '70s line. I did not like them at all. God, man. Oh, man, is that
0: is that is that the last great nicknamed line we've had?
1: I think so. Yeah, it's
0: probably them, and then I guess the Hbk line. But even that, like the Hbk mm-hmm. line, was only cool because their initials were Hbk, which was Sean Michaels. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, I think that 70s line is probably the best line nickname we've had in a long time.
1: Yeah, we haven't Maybe really the had a uh, line. We haven't even really had any like uh, interesting line combos in a while that have kind of stuck out. Right. Like it's a lot of teams have chosen to split up their stars or split up their guys or uh, we really haven't seen anything kind of solidify together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Oh.
1: listen, we did it. Got back. We come are, back off, Made it back. Despite all the, 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 the technical issues, we made it back. I am saying this before I've had a chance to even see if the recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's works. that part, which we weren't so going to talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm being optimistic that uh, if we, listen, if you're listening to this, it worked. If if you never hear it, then obviously it didn't. Um, but you know, listen. It was great to jump on, guys. Uh, again, apologies for the delay. A lot of things going on. A lot of issues on the technical side of things. But just the we're glad
0: we both had some stuff going on. Yeah. Just- Which none of you fucking care about, and that's totally fine. But we just, we apologize. We appreciate all of the support and everything, and we just haven't been able to be as active as we'd wanted to be. And so we really, really are very grateful for the patience you guys
1: have shown us. So thank Mm you. Yeah. Nice to be back. And um, again, we're going to try and do this, uh, start doing this again every week, Um, at least being, at at the very least, being active on Twitter to let you know if we're going to do one or not. Um, I think at at the bare minimum, we can do that. Um to keep you guys in the loop. Um but yeah, again, appreciate everything. Happy to be back and uh we will talk to you guys soon. Bye everybody. We appreciate y'all. Tyler Tipoli sucks. <laughs> See you guys.